Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger. Safe return doubtful, honour and recognition in event of success. Ernest Shackleton, 4 Burlington Street, London. The above words were rumoured to have been the content of an advert placed by Ernest Shackleton in the London Times, recruiting men for his endurance expedition. The rumours suggest that 5,000 men applied to join him on his journey to the South Pole. Historians have since searched the Times archive and found nothing, suggesting that the legend of this great polar explorer is such that rumours have been created posthumously to support the narrative and ever-increasing myth that surrounds Shackleton. Well, rumours and myth aside, this is a lovely tale, and as the saying goes, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? Hi, this is Jonathan Marks, and welcome to the On Your Marks Book Review podcast. As I get closer to the end of my year of books, I'm finding some volumes that I have purposefully kept for last. Like a rich, creamy dessert, I find that the last half dozen books on my shelf are ones that I've been dying to get stuck into. And among these favourites is this week's book, The Biography of Ernest Shackleton, written by Ranulph Fiennes. A huge shout-out to my daughter Sarah, who gifted me this book for my birthday late last year. This is a child who either knows her father well or knows exactly how to get on my good side just before pocket money negotiation season begins. Anyway, I kept the book till now, knowing I'd want to savour the text and remind myself of this amazing story. I am by no means in the category of fines when it comes to Shackleton, but I am something of an amateur scholar as regards the man and his life. I have an embarrassingly large pile of books about his life and expeditions, and so to some extent I know the story, but love the added detail in this version of the, of the bio. Actually, what really made the book interesting for me was the fact that it was written by Ranulph Fiennes, another explorer on whom I appear to have a very unhealthy man crush. Fiennes is an accomplished author and explorer, and someone who even in the modern age has found a way to remain on the edge of our known world, finding incredible feats against which to pit himself. For example, his book Mind Over Matter recounts the journey to cross the Antarctic unaided. He and Dr. Michael Stroud undertook this mission in the early 1990s, dragging sleds behind them with all their provisions for the trip. The two suffered terribly, and their relationship deteriorated as the miles unfolded. At times, they walked miles apart. The pictures in the book of their emaciated bodies at the end of the journey are heartbreaking to see. But yet, Fiennes was back again in early 2000, walking unaided to the North Pole. He suffered severe frostbite from the trip, and on returning home, he became so frustrated with the delay in getting medical care for his blackened, frostbitten baby finger that he, and I quote, took a vice and a micro saw and slowly cut through my small finger. It was like cutting dead wood, actually, end quote, he said in an interview with the London Times. I only mention this because I think Fiennes' life uniquely qualifies him for the job of writing Shackleton's biography. As he says in the book, and I quote again, to write about hell, it certainly helps if you've been there, end quote. The biography, of course, follows Shackleton's life. I won't recount all of the detail here. I really suggest you buy the book for some excellent holiday reading. But rather, I wanted to pick up on one key theme that comes through the Shackleton story that I believe is highly relevant. Well, relevant to me at least and my work around entrepreneurship, but also I suspect to many of us. And this is the idea of failure. Without minimizing your pleasure in reading his bio, Shackleton pretty much failed at achieving every goal he set himself. 
But this didn't detract from his undeniable leadership skill and his entrepreneurial ability as he raised capital and undertook his expeditions. From a young age, he knew that he loved adventure and the sea, and he joined the Merchant Navy at 16. In fact, he took a number of trips as third mate on the Castle Line to Cape Town, ferrying British soldiers to South Africa to fight in the Boer War. He eventually joined the expedition with Robert Falcon Scott aboard the Discovery to find the South Pole. The men never did reach their goal, but did get further south than any previous explorer, thus claiming this as a victory. While Shackleton was very much the junior man on the trip, he developed his appetite for polar exploring, and after some years working on shore, he raised the money and gathered the crew for his first expedition aboard the Nimrod. The objective, like with Scott and the Discovery trip, was to reach the South Pole. Leaving from New Zealand, they made their way to Antarctica and came within 112 miles of the Pole, eventually turning back as their rations dwindled away. They managed to make it back just in time to catch a boat back to New Zealand and to England. The Polar Party were on starvation rations, yet this didn't stop Shackleton giving his one daily biscuit to team member Frank Wilde, who wrote in his diary, and I quote, All the money that was ever minted could not have brought that biscuit and the remembrance of the sacrifice will never leave me. End quote. By 1912, Shackleton's dreams of walking to the South Pole and discovering it for England were shattered, with the news that the Norwegian Amundsen had conquered this feat. Undeterred, Shackleton began raising money for a transcontinental crossing from the Weddell Sea in the northwest to McMurdo Sound. Thus began the Imperial Transantarctic Expedition. Two parties would be needed for this trip. The main party under Shackleton would travel on the Endurance and the support party aboard the Aurora would start at the opposite end of the Antarctic to lay down supplies for those attempting the crossing. He raised a considerable amount of money at the time, a testament to his amazing fundraising skills from both private and public sources. He recruited a team of 56 men, 28 for each boat, and despite the outbreak of World War I, the expedition was given the go-ahead by Churchill, then First Lord of the Admiralty. Shackleton's boat, the Endurance, left South Georgia Island in the South Atlantic close to Tierra del Fuego on 5th of December 1914. The ship headed for the Weddell Sea, but by the middle of January 1915, it was caught and frozen in drifting pack ice. The men in fact came within sight of land, but realised that they were caught fast and would not be free until the spring thaw towards the end of February. The ice on the boat drifted north for more than two months, and eventually the ice began to crush the boat and the men abandoned ship into the three open lifeboats on board. They watched the Endurance sink to the bottom of the Weddell Sea and proceeded to row the nearly 600 kilometres across open ocean to Elephant Island, an inhospitable and uninhabited spit of land, the northwestern tip of the Antarctic. As Elephant Island was not on any main shipping route, it was unlikely that the crew would ever be found by chance, and so the boss, as Shackleton was known to his men, decided to take a team and again cross open ocean in the best of the three rowboats to the whaling station at South Georgia Island. After 15 days at sea, and in no small measure due to the navigation skill of the men aboard, the team of five reached Elephant Island. They made land at the unoccupied southern shore, and wasting no time, Shackleton and one man walked 36 hours across a glacier that dominated the island to the whaling station at the opposite end. Story has it that as these two men walked into the whaling station, these hardened and grizzled whalers wept at the sight of them. They couldn't believe how men looked and that they were still alive. 
Shackleton quickly arranged a rescue mission, collecting the remaining three men from the other side of the island, as well as those waiting on Elephant Island. Amazingly, no man died during this harrowing time, and apart from the sled dogs who were killed and eaten along the way, the only notable fatality was the ship's cat, Mrs. Chippy, who was shot when the men abandoned the boat, believing that the conditions ahead would be too harrowing for the animal. There was the matter of the other team to consider, as there was no communication at the time. The Aurora team was unaware that the endurance team had in fact not made land. They had had a terrible journey, losing three men, and yet carrying out their task of laying down supplies perfectly. They had now been abandoned on the Antarctic shelf when their ship had to return to New Zealand due to bad weather. Having got the endurance party safely to South America, the boss arranged to rescue the Aurora team. This story, and maybe much of Shackleton's life, describes to my mind spectacular failure. We are so obsessed with success that we neglect to realize that failure is ever-present, and that when you really boil it down, success may be just as much about luck as it is about purposeful leadership or direction. Shackleton returned to England to write the book South, about his journey with the endurance, and to continue on the lecture circuit, which was his primary source of income. Ever restless, he arranged another expedition, The Quest. But this time illness got the better of him, and before the team left South Georgia Island, he had a heart attack and died. He is still buried there, a fitting resting place, I believe, for such a great explorer. Despite efforts from many, Shackleton never received the full honours that should have been bestowed on him. But those who know his story and the bravery, fortitude and steadfast belief in his men know him for the hero that he was. In the book The Lost Men, about the Aurora Party, Writer Kelly Tyler Lewis quotes a few lines from a poem by Robert Service that I think are so apt for Shackleton's story, and I quote, There is a race of men that don't fit in, a race that can't stay still. So they break the hearts of Kirth and kin, and they roam the world at will. End quote. Never a truer word was spoken, I believe. I noted, though, with great interest in March this year that the endurance had finally been found, three kilometres down at the bottom of the Weddell Sea. And in a rare moment of national pride, I noted that the South African icebreaker Agullis had been involved in the search. This book is an absolutely thrilling read. Don't be deterred by thinking that this is just about adventure at the turn of the last century. This book is about the values we also desperately need to return to. About a time, yes, with all of its challenges and deprivations, but a time in which we as a people risk greatly for worthy things. Well, as the year winds down, I'm reading the book Time Off in the week ahead, and I think this is a fitting text for my upcoming year-end vacation, so please do look out for that review next Tuesday. And for the rest, I wish you an absolutely wonderful week ahead. <laughs>